The text for this morning's service is taken from Galatians 5, verse 22, as we continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And then we take the fifth word, but the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. After the sermon, we will sing together from Psalm 86 to stanzas 2 and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you also, boys and girls, the fifth word of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is kindness. And what is true of all the other words belonging to the fruit of the Spirit is also true of this word. Namely, that if the fruit of kindness is not growing in you, then you are not bearing fruit. Then you are like that fruit tree that the Lord Jesus spoke about, which had no fruit and therefore deserved to be cut down and thrown into the fire. Paul also wants to impress that upon the people belonging to the churches of Galatia. For if there's any people who are to hear this at that moment, it is they. For what has happened? Well, a rift has come between brothers and sisters in the Lord. There are factions. Some people are stirring up trouble. They are fighting amongst themselves. That is clear from the warning Paul gives them in this letter. He says in chapter 5, verse 15, If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And so he instructs them towards the end of this letter, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Something happened which made them act in an unkind way to one another. It's not that they were incapable of showing kindness, not at all. They showed what kind of people they could be when Paul first came in their midst. He writes about that in chapter 4, verse 12 and following. He says there, You have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. And so when Paul first came to them on his missionary tour, then they showed great kindness to him. He stayed there for a little while. And he preached the gospel to them. And at that time, they enthusiastically embraced the gospel. And they realized the kindness of God. How he saved them in spite of their sins. And so they also responded in kind. But since his departure, some of them felt no longer so kindly inclined towards Paul. Some were even hostile to him and his message. And that is because there were all kinds of rumors that were spread about him. Even his very apostleship was questioned. 
And this was done by the Judaizers, whose credentials were quite impressive and whose arguments seemed quite logical. And therefore Paul says to them in his letter, chapter 4, verse 16, Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? And so you see that their kindness has worn off. And why is that? Well, for no other reason than that they were no longer loyal to the gospel of free grace through Jesus Christ. And once you leave that gospel, then you are no longer kind to one another. For what is kindness? Well, it especially has to do with our relationship to each other. And that is what the second cluster of fruit to which this virtue belongs is all about. But again, our kindness means nothing at all if it is not also rooted in God's kindness. And so this morning, let us discover what that means. What can we, as congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, learn so that we may also be known as a kind congregation? Let's listen to the preaching of God's word as summarized on the following theme The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. We will look at two things. First of all, the root of kindness. And secondly, the fruit of kindness. First then, the root of kindness. It is important that we are very precise when we define this term. For we do not have an exact English equivalent. Sometimes we find the word friendliness or godly or goodness, gentleness or generosity, different words. It's because we don't have an exact translation for it. And so you will note that some of the words that Paul uses in the list of the fruit of the Spirit are also quite similar to this word that we are considering today. And so what exactly does it mean? Well, originally that word translated here as kindness meant to be useful, or to be adapted to its purpose. The term expresses how a person so designated stands in relation to another person, especially a slave in relation to his master. A slave was known to be kind when he obediently and skillfully fulfilled the tasks which his master assigned to him. A slave who had a lot of skill was very useful to his master, especially if he did his work cheerfully without grumbling and complaining. He did not question his master's authority and protected his master's interest to the best of his ability, and he was loyal to him. He was eager to help. Such a slave, therefore, was pleasant to be around. And so you can understand that this term came to mean to be kind. Someone who respects authority, who is eager to be of assistance, and who cheerfully holds on to his end of a contract is a kind person. And so also in the Bible, someone who is kind is a person who has a deep sense of commitment and loyalty. Now we can see such kindness in the relationship between David and Jonathan. Jonathan's kindness consisted of intense loyalty. And this is shown in the way that Jonathan goes to great lengths 
to assure David that he will see it to it, that David will not suffer any harm at the hands of Saul, Jonathan's father. David knows that Jonathan is not yet wise to his father and that he does not yet fully realize the extent of his father's evil spirit. That becomes clear to him only later on. But in spite of all that, Jonathan nevertheless goes to great lengths to protect David. Why do you think he did that? Do you think he did that just because they were such good friends? Do you think he did that because he had such an emotional feeling of well-being because of him and because of their relationship? Well, brothers and sisters, if you look at this passage carefully, then you will note that there is a lot more to it than that. In 1 Samuel 20, verse 8, David says to Jonathan, As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? David wants Jonathan to show kindness to him because of the covenant that they have with each other. They are to be loyal to each other and look out for each other's interests. And why? Because of the promise that they had made to each other. And that was not just done for the sake of the loyalty to each other, but it was done out of loyalty to the Lord God. Jonathan knew that David was the legitimate heir to the throne of Israel. And Jonathan knew that David was the anointed one of the Lord. The Lord God had determined that his father Saul is no longer worthy of such honor and of such a position. And now Jonathan had to recognize God's hand in all this, and he did. And so did David. And so ultimately, their loyalty to each other is shown only because both Jonathan and David want to do the will of the Lord their God. And that is why in verse 8, they also speak about a covenant of the Lord. And that is what it says literally in the Hebrew. And some translations give the possibility of the rendering a covenant of the Lord. The King James also translates it that way. And so their mutual loyalty, their mutual kindness is shown for the sake of the Lord God and the covenant that he made with them. It is quite noteworthy, therefore, that Jonathan shows kindness to David and not to his father. You see, Jonathan is well aware that we are not to show kindness to another person just because we like him or her or just because we are related. Kindness is not just a human emotion. Kindness must never be, first of all, on a human level. No, it has to be much more than that. Our kindness must be rooted in the loving kindness of God. Humanly speaking, Jonathan had a lot more to be gained with his relationship to his father. In reality, he would have been better off with David out of the way. For Jonathan was a crown prince. And David stood in the way of him becoming king 
one day. But Jonathan knew that the Lord God had anointed David to that position. And so we see that Jonathan here is not interested in his own position. He is interested in the position of the Lord God. He knows that to him belongs all the power and the glory and that his will alone must be carried out. Jonathan's kindness shown to David was shown for the sake of the Lord. He was mindful of the covenant they made with each other in the presence of the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that's also how God expects us to conduct ourselves. It must be according to the covenant God made with us. For by now it should be clear that the word kindness has everything to do with the covenant. And God's kindness means that he is loyal to his covenant people. He shows that in his steadfast love. Elsewhere, this is also called his loving kindness. That's also what we sang about this morning. Remember, his steadfast grace and loving kindness endure through all eternity. That's what we sang when we sang from Psalm 118, stanza 8. That term, loving kindness, is always connected with God's covenant love. It is too bad that that translation is lost in the modern translations. This loving kindness indicates that he is loyal to his covenant people. It means that he is faithful to his covenant promises. Think about how God has done that throughout the ages, brothers and sisters. He was kind to Adam and Eve, wasn't he? He did not want them to perish. Instead, he gave them the promise of eternal life. He promised them that he would defeat the evil one. All they had to do is believe in him. And in the meantime, he would show them his kindness in numerous ways. He did this so that man would have a foretaste of the great riches stored up for them. He would speak to them and allow man also to have access to his throne while they are still on earth. And he would give them the signs and the seals of the covenant to remind mankind of his goodness toward them and that he would never forsake his people. And he established the ceremonial laws to teach man to wait for the paschal lamb. Throughout the years, he remained loyal to his creatures with whom he had made a covenant. But do you know how especially he shows his loving kindness? The greatest act of kindness ever shown was that God sent us his son in the flesh to die for us. It is especially through Christ that he shows us his covenant faithfulness. Listen to what Paul says in Titus 3, verse 4 and 5. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Christ did not think of the position that he had with his Father in heaven. No, he stripped himself of his power and majesty. He came down to earth 
in the midst of this sinful and miserable world and allowed himself to be nailed on a cross. He shed his blood so that we could be washed clean in his blood. And that is God's kindness to all those who believe his covenant kindness. In Matthew 11, Christ says that to all his covenant children and to all who want to believe in him. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is kind. Now, I know in the English version it reads that his yoke is light. And that is also how the NIV and the RSV, for example, render this. But the original uses the same words, the same word that we have in our text. And by now, we know what he means. His yoke is kind because of his covenant loyalty. It is a kind yoke. Because through him all the promises of God find their fulfillment in him. Through God's kindness, instead of death, we will have life, eternal life. And so, now you see what the root of kindness is. But what about the fruit of kindness? In other words, how is God's kindness to be shown in our lives? We come to the second point. God's kindness ought to remind us that we too are in a covenant relationship. We are in a covenant relationship in the first place with the Lord our God. That is what David says, for example, in Psalm, 100, in Psalm 25, verse 10. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. And David reminds us of our covenant obligations in that regard. God's loving kindness ought to move us to loving kindness to our fellow man. That's also what the prophet Micah tells us in Micah 6 verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God. The word mercy is used in the NIV, but other translations have the word kindness. The Lord requires us to love kindness. That is to say, we have to be kind to one another. We have to be kind to the Lord God. Such kindness must be part of our personality. For it is only through kindness that we can win others over. In that regard, kindness has the same purpose as patience. Paul says in Romans 2 verse 4, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? God's kindness is given so that we may lead repentant lives. He shows us his covenant love first, and then we have to respond. And then our kindness also ought to lead to the daily repentance of ourselves and of others as well. Look at how the Lord Jesus did that while he was on earth. He showed his great kindness to the multitudes. He showed a lot of compassion, especially to the downtrodden of society. 
He went to the prostitutes and tax collectors and the adulterers, and he had pity on them. He healed the sick and bound up the brokenhearted. He did not go to the high and mighty of the world, but he especially ministered to the downtrodden of society. He did not thumb his nose at those who were despised by others. No, he sought them out. There was never a kinder man than the Lord Jesus. Why was he so kind? He was kind in order to bring man to repentance. Someone who is rich and powerful is a poor prospect for conversion, for he does not realize the need for his redemption. He depends on his good health, his position in life to carry him through. He fools himself into thinking that his prosperity will last. Such people are proud people, and more often than not, they get their wealth by caring more about themselves than about others. And that is why Christ went especially to the unfortunate, to the lame, to the sick, to the prostitutes, to those who fell down and out. And if you think that there is suffering today, then you must remember the conditions that prevailed at that time. For in those days there were no hospitals, there were no homes for the aged, there were no orphanages, no homes for the handicapped, or any other institutions of special care. The weak of society were pretty much on their own. The blind had to beg for money, and the handicapped were looked down upon because the pervading theology taught by the Pharisees was that any handicapped or disfigured person had only him or herself to blame for his or her plight. The Pharisees thought that any disfigurement was directly tied to a specific sin of either the person himself or his or her parents. And so you see that it was a cruel society. There was very little understanding for the effects of sin and the brokenness of earthly life. But Christ had compassion on the masses. His heart went out to them. He could not help to be kind to them. Because Christ was kindness personified. A kinder person than Christ never lived. And the people loved him for it, especially in the beginning of his ministry. But do you know how you can really tell that Christ was a compassionate person? You can tell that from the way that children responded to him. They were eager to be with him. And that is clear from the passage in Mark 10, verse 13 and following, where we read, People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, uh, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And so he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. The Lord Jesus loved little children. And do you know why? Do you think it was because they looked so cute and he do so many cute little things? No, congregation, he loved them because the promise of the covenant is for them as well as for the adults. They are included in God's kingdom. And the same thing, therefore, must apply to us. Our kindness is meant to show forth God's kindness. Every believer is called upon to be kind to children. Why? Because through our kindness, 
children are to see God's kindness. The opposite of kindness is harshness. We can be quite harsh with one another at times, can't we? Especially the case in our homes where we feel less restrained. Husbands and wives can be quite unkind to one another at times. However, please remember that you too are in a covenant relationship with the Lord your God and also with each other. You have made promises to each other when you make your wedding vows. And therefore, the relationship between husband and wife ought to reflect the relationship God has with us. And so let me ask you a question. How does it go in your home? Husbands, are you kind to your wife? Or do you treat her harshly most of the time? Do you treat her like a doormat? Or do you deal gently with her, appreciating her good qualities? For remember that the Lord God requires you to be kind to your wife, treating her as the weaker vessel. You are to be kind to her even when you cannot always get what you want from her. And what about the wives? Do you also treat your husband with kindness and respect? Or are you always critical of him? Brothers and sisters, the sad reality is that there is so little kindness in this world, also in Christian relationships. We can also notice that in the church. The church is not always a kind place either, is it? Paul certainly discovered that. He was attacked in the most cowardly way. And the problem was a lot of people went along with what was happening. But do you know what the problem was in Galatia? The problem, brothers and sisters, was that the people no longer were loyal to the Lord their God. Their kindness was not rooted in the kindness of God. You had those Judaizers who said that they were better than the others because they could keep the laws better than the others. They came once again with the Old Testament regulations. And they forgot the kind of covenant that God makes with his people. And they forgot, therefore, their covenant responsibilities. And so their loyalty was to man. And that is why as soon as Paul was gone, they transferred their loyalty to the Judaizers. For these were impressive people. They knew, so it seemed, what they were talking about. But they did not ask themselves whether what they were talking about was in accordance with the word of God. Beloved, the church of God must be a kind church. Too often it happens in church that we become followers of men. We follow a certain personality, a minister or an elder. We overlook sins and shortcomings in others because we do not want to rock the boat, especially when we are dealing with people of influence. And this quite often happens at the expense of the weaker members of the congregation, of those who are not able to stand up for themselves. And so we hold our hands above those who are not always honest in their dealings. We do not want to confront them if they do something wrong. We think we are being kind to them when we do that. After all, they do so much for the church, but that's not kindness. It's actually the opposite. It's cruel. It is cruel to those who have been wronged. Kindness can only be shown through loyalty to God in the first place. Kindness is shown especially to the weak and to the oppressed. 
It is easy to be kind to people of influence, for that can translate into many benefits, but it's a lot harder to be kind to those who have little or no influence. And I hope that also the children of this congregation are listening this morning. You children, you can also be cruel to each other, can't you? You tend to be interested, just like adults can be, in yourself. And then you realize, and you don't realize, how your harsh words can cut others to the heart. Some children are very unhappy throughout their whole childhood because of the way that they have been treated by their peers. And so children, be kind to each other. Do not hurt others, especially in the way that you speak. And don't say things that hurt. Think about how God wants you to treat others. And especially office bearers are to be kind people. It says in 2 Timothy 2 verse 24, And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. It's very easy for office bearers to become involved in or be the cause of all kinds of conflicts in the congregation. And then the office bearer, throughout it all, should ask himself, am I a kind person? That is to say, am I loyal to myself or to God in the first place? Do my own interests and the interests of others for my own sake take precedence or my interest in the cause of God? Am I loyal to persons or am I loyal to God? Am I worried about my own reputation and perhaps the reputation of someone else? Or am I worried about the reputation of God? Constantly a minister and an elder and a deacon has to ask these questions of himself. We are supposed to be kind. A person who is quick to listen but slow to speak. He doesn't go by all kinds of rumors, but waits to hear the whole story before he makes his judgment. He will not condemn anyone rashly or unheard. He is a kind person, not quarrelsome. But do not think, beloved, that kindness ought to be equated with weakness. Do not think that kindness means that we are to overlook sin. Some people think that. They think that they do others a favor by leaving them in their sins. Sometimes parents do that as well. And then they want to leave their children somehow in their sins because they want to be kind to them. But if you do that, brothers and sisters, then you are not necessarily a kind person, but you could even be a cruel one. If you see that a brother or a sister or one of your children is going on the road to perdition, and that you must call him or her back to repentance. Or else you are not a very kind person. And office bearers especially have to keep that in mind. For we are to lead others to God. Peter says to his readers in his first letter, For you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Peter speaks of that kindness of the Lord as a fruit that we can eat. Indeed, we ourselves are fruits of the Holy Spirit, and that fruit has to grow in our lives until it is ready for the final harvest. And so let me ask you, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit growing in you? Are you becoming a better person 
day by day through the grace of God? Are you becoming more loving, more joyful, more peace-loving, more patient, more kind day by day? If not, then you are regressing. And then you had better take a look at your life. For at the final harvest, the day of judgment, the Lord will look you over and see whether or not you have indeed tasted of his fruit and shown that in your life. He will look at you and see if you have indeed lived a life of faith. And there has to be growth in your life. This world is a very harsh place. There's very little kindness in this world. And that is all the more reason that the fruit of kindness must grow in us. We are to be God's image bearers all the way. And when we live in that way and the rest of the days of our lives, then the Lord God will also bestow his loving kindness on us. For he is our covenant God. He will always be true to his promises. He will open his arms wide to his children and he will welcome us home. That is the kindness of the Lord. His kindness shown to those who show forth his kindness here on earth. Amen.